And God is just changing lives through this series. And right now we're going to begin to look at God's word and know that God is going to help you with the issue of devastation. Uh, this series has been a tremendous help and blessing to so many people. I have so many comments from this series. And I know today the Lord is going to really speak to you. So open your hearts up. My title today is When God Doesn't Make Sense. Uh, back in, in January of 06, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. In February, I had a bilateral mastectomy. And in March, I started chemo. Then we'd been dealing with my son's uh, autism. He was diagnosed with autism. And so that's been something we've been dealing with for uh, a little while. I'd been married for 21 years, happily married, which is something I find is, I'm hearing it's hard to do in this day and age. Uh, we were friends that happened to be married. We waited eight years before we had our first child, and we were just happy. We had just uh, moved into what we thought, thought was our dream house. And he worked at the Embassy Suites Hotel, and uh, he was uh, the food and beverage director. And so when I was on chemo, it would hit me on a Friday. The way we had it set up, I'd go in on Wednesday, and by Friday it would hit me, and I would be too sick to do anything. And so he'd take the family out to the hotel, get me a room, and he'd, he'd take care of me for the weekend because I couldn't do anything. He called me home uh, from work on a Friday with a stomach ache. We took him to the emergency room thinking his stomach was going to get pumped and we'd go home. By Sunday at 1 o'clock he was dead from uh, complications from pancreatitis. He was 46 years old, never been sick. I don't understand everything that happens in our world. I realize when Adam and Eve disobeyed God, it ushered into our world sin, sickness, disease, natural disasters, pain, hurt, and even death. But it doesn't make any sense to me that Diana has experienced such devastation in her life. Why her and not somebody else? I, I really just don't understand that. It doesn't make any sense to me for her son to be diagnosed with autism, it doesn't make any sense to me that she experienced breast cancer and operations on both breasts. That makes no sense to me. It, it doesn't make sense to me that her husband died on June 25th of, of 2006. It makes no sense to me a man with a wife and two precious kids will be taken from this earth at 46 years of age. It didn't make any sense to me for a 30-year-old to pass away. It doesn't make any sense to me for a 20-year-old to pass away. It doesn't make any sense to me for a 10-year-old or a three-month-old to pass away. It makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense that I have the privilege to grow up in the United States of America instead of a third-world country where people are starving to death. That makes no sense to me. The scripture says this in Acts chapter 17 and verse number 26. From one man, he made every nation of men talking about God, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he determined the times set for them and the exact 
places where they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. That makes no sense to me why God uh, in his sovereignty knew that I would find him and seek after him by being raised here in the United States of America versus being raised in some third world country living in a hut almost starving to death. That makes no sense to me. It didn't make any sense to me why New Orleans was devastated by Katrina. Good people, Christian people, churches lost everything. Helpless little kids drowned to death. That makes no sense to me. Did you realize that at least 1,836 people lost their lives in Hurricane Katrina? The storm is estimated to have been responsible for $81.2 billion in damage, making it the costliest natural disaster in U.S. history. I don't know why that happened to New Orleans versus Las Vegas or another city in America. I, it makes no sense to me. It doesn't make any sense to me why the tsunami destroyed so many innocent lives. Do you realize that that earthquake triggered a series of devastating tsunamis along the coast of most land masses bordering the Indian Ocean? The statistics say that a large number of people were destroyed along coastal communities that were there in Southeast Asia. Statistics say that over 229,000 people were lost, including over 186,000 Dad, that makes no sense to me. The May 3rd, 1999 tornado that hit the Oklahoma City metro area doesn't make any sense to me. Good people, Christian people either died or lost everything. That tornado caused 1.1 billion in damage. There were 36 deaths in Moore, Oklahoma alone. 1,780 homes destroyed. 6,550 homes damaged. 85 businesses destroyed. Two schools destroyed. 473 apartments destroyed. Three churches destroyed. That makes no sense to me. And today as your pastor, I'm not going to sit up here in this on this platform and play God. I'm not going to act like I have all of the answers because I don't understand everything. I, I, I don't, I, I'm not God and I'm not as smart as God and neither are you. And even Job, who experienced great tragedy and devastation in his life, if you know the story of Job, he lost everything. He lost every single one of his kids. He lost his livestock, his animals, all of his livelihood was wiped away. He lost it all. And Job didn't understand why he was experiencing so much devastation in his life. And the scripture says that Job began to blame God. Job began to question God. And God responded back and he answered Job. And God's response back to Job lets us know that we're not as smart as God. God's response back to Job lets us know that we don't see everything from God's, God's perspective. I believe that's why Isaiah wrote, as he was inspired by the Holy Spirit, that our thoughts are not as high as God's thoughts and our ways are not as high as God's ways. We don't see everything from God's perspective. And maybe today you're facing a devastation. Maybe today you're blaming God. 
Maybe today you look around the world and you don't understand some things. And you're sitting here today and you're questioning and pointing your finger at our Heavenly Father. And Job did that very thing. And I want you to hear God's response back to Job as Job was questioning and blaming God. God said to Job in Job 38 and verse number 2, Who is this that darkens my counsel with words? Without knowledge and whatever we try to blame God, whenever we try to be as smart as God and think that we see everything from God's perspective, we have words without knowledge. God says in verse three, brace yourself like a man. I will question you, Job, since you know so much, I'm going to question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundation? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely, you know, since you're so smart. Who stretched a measuring line across it? On what were its footings set? Or who laid its cornerstone? God goes on to say in verse number 12, Have you ever given orders to the morning or shown the dawn its place that it might, ta- that, that it might take the earth by the edges and shake the wicked out of it? God goes on to say in verse number 16, Have you journeyed to the springs of the sea or walked in the recesses of the deep? Job, since you're so smart and know so much, have the gates of death been shown to you? Have you seen the gates of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the vast expansions of the earth? Tell me if you know all this. What is the way to the abode of light? And where does darkness reside? Can you take me to them? Can you take them to their places? Do you know the paths to their dwellings? Surely you know. And God begins to be a little funny here. And God says to Job, for you are already born. You have lived so many years. I mean, Job, since you've been on this earth so long and know so much, you've lived such a long time. Why don't you respond back to me? How many know at that point, Job's like, God, I'm sorry. I mean, like, God, leave me alone. God goes on to say to Job in Job 38 and verse number 33, do you know the laws of the heavens? Can you set up God's dominion over the earth? Job, since you're so wise and know so much, can you raise your voice to the clouds and cover yourself with a flood of water? God says, Job, since you know so much, why don't you make it rain on yourself? Verse 35, do you send the lightning bolts on their way? Do they report to you, here we are? And God closes out this dialogue with Job. And I didn't take time to read to you every verse because chapter 38 is power-packed with God. Asking Job questions. But chapter 40 closes out in verse number 1. The Lord said to Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him accuses who accuses God answer him. Then Job answered the Lord, I am unworthy. How can I reply to you? I put my hand over my mouth. I spoke once, but I have no answer. Twice, but I will say no more. Job says to God, I'm going to be quiet. God, I don't understand everything. God, I'm not as smart as you. God, I don't have everything figured out. He says to God, God, listen, I'm unworthy to question the creator of the entire universe. I'm not near as smart as you, God. And I feel just like Job. I don't understand everything. There are some things that go on in our world that don't make sense to me. But I knew though this, no matter what happens in our world, no matter the tsunami, the Katrina, the murderer who kills 30-something people on a university campus, no matter the tornado, the F5 tornado that may hit, there are some things that I do know about God. 
There's some things that I can take to the bank. And friends, today, maybe you're experiencing a devastation. You're experiencing pain. Your mind is confused as you look at our world and you see chaos all around. And friends, when you look around, there has to be some things that you know, that you know, that you know. Some things that you can take to the bank. Some things that you're absolutely positively sure about your God. What I want to do is give you five things that I know without a shadow of a doubt. The hurricane may come. The storms may may come, the earthquakes may happen, but I know without a shadow of a doubt, point number one, that God is faithful. God is faithful. Psalms chapter 33 and verse number four says, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. I may not understand everything, but I do know this. God is faithful. And in all he does, he is Faithful. Never doubt it. Never question it. Our God is a faithful God. The psalmist goes on to say in chapter 145 and verse 13, your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is faithful to all his promises. Shout with me all. Say it one more time. All. This is very important. The Lord is faithful to all his promises and loving toward all he has made. No matter what happens in our world, no matter what happens in your life, no matter what devastation you may encounter, God is faithful to all his promises. All the promises in the word of God are yes and amen. God is a faithful God. Listen, he, he's, he's going to perform his word. He's going to do what he said he will do. He's a faithful faithful God. The scripture says in Psalm chapter 146 in verse number six, the maker of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, the Lord who remains, this is very key, who remains faithful forever. You can turn on the television after a crisis that has just happened in our nation recently in Virginia and the news commentators at times can begin to kind of in their own wording, point fingers at God, make it sound like God doesn't kind of know what he's doing. But friends, can I tell you something about our God? He's not a wishy-washy God. Didn't matter what the news commentator may try to say, I want you to know that our God is faithful. The scripture says forever. God is faithful in the 1800s. He was faithful in the 1700s. He's faithful yesterday. He's faithful today. He'll be faithful tomorrow. The God that we serve is a faithful God. And what we oftentimes forget is that there's an evil one. His name is Satan. There's a real adversary. There's a real devil. There are real demons who come to steal, kill, and to destroy. But our God, our Heavenly Father, is a faithful God. Don't you ever doubt it. God is not wishy-washy. He won't be faithful today and not faithful tomorrow. He's not faithful today and not fa- and wasn't faithful yesterday. God is faithful forever. He's a faithful God. There's a second thing that we have to know. And I know this without a shadow of a doubt. God is just. God is just. The scripture says in Second Thessalonians chapter number one, verse number six, the scripture echoes these very words. God is just. God is righteous. God is fair. There are some people today in our world that says, Pastor, don't you see what's happening? Why did that person commit that evil and 
it appears they're getting away with it. Why would somebody murder people and never get caught? Why are they getting away with it? Why would somebody rape people and get away with it? Why would somebody blow up some building and get away with it? I mean, where's God in all of this? And Scripture says this, He will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to you who are troubled and to us as well. Pastor, when will this happen? I'm not seeing anything happening right now. It appears to me that people are getting away with sin and evil. Scripture says this will happen when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven in blazing fire with his powerful angels. This will happen when Jesus Christ comes back for his church. Church, here's what you have to understand. Justice delayed doesn't mean justice denied. You see, there's going to be a reckoning day. There's going to be a judgment day. There's going to be a day where people will receive what's due them. God's fair. God is just. Scripture goes on to say in verse 8, He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord and from the majesty of His power. Justice delayed does not mean justice denied. The Apostle Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 10, For we must all, everybody say all, all of us must appear before the judgment seat of Christ that each one may receive what is due him. That word due is D-U-E. What is due him for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. God's word says, listen, there's going to be a judgment day. I'm fair. There's going to be a reckoning day. Every person will stand before me and they'll receive what's do them. Don't be confused and think people are just getting away with evil and doing whatever they want. Listen, there's going to be a judgment day. God is just. God is fair. No matter what happens in our world, I know that without a shadow of a doubt. There's a third thing that I know. Number three is this. God is patient. God is patient. No matter what happens in our world, There may be some things that don't make sense to me, but I know that God is patient with his prized creation, and that's humanity. God's patient with you and I. The scripture says, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse number 9, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise. The promise is that Jesus is going to come back for his church and will spend eternity in heaven. As some understand slowness, he is patient with you. Notice this. This is very key. Not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Listen, God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. God's not sending anybody to hell. People say, well, I just don't understand. I mean, why is God just wiping out over 200,000 people in the tsunami? Listen, no, 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 no. You got, you got, you're confused. God's patient. God wants everyone saved. God's not trying to wipe out people and kill people. That, that's not what God, God is all about. He is patient. You see, the reason that Jesus has not come back for his church is not so we can have more chicken dinners. God is wanting to get more people saved. He's want, wanting more people to place their faith in Jesus Christ. And God is patient. He sees humanity. He sees his creation. And he wants every person to place their faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ. So he's patient. He, he's, he's just waiting for people to make a decision to serve God. God is a patient God. Scripture goes on to say in the book of 1 Timothy chapter 1 
verse 16, but for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience. Notice what Paul says. I was the worst of sinners. He was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians. Paul said, I was as, as bad as they could get. But Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as, as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. You know what Paul says? God puts up with knuckleheads. God's patient. The Apostle Paul simply says, people may give up on you, but God never will. God's patient. He wants everyone to be saved. God's patient with you. He's patient with your flaws. He's working with you. He's working with me. I know this no matter what happens in our world. I know that God is patient. How many of you would admit to me and admit with me that you used to be a knucklehead? How many would say, I'm still a knucklehead? I mean, you know, I mean, how many of you thank God he's patient? He's slow to anger. He's a patient God wanting everyone to come to repentance. That's his heart. There's a fourth thing that we have to know. Church, this is very important. If you've been sleeping with the eyes open, wake up. You have to catch this. Point number four is this. No matter what happens in our world, you have to know that God is good. God is good. Life may be hard, but God is good. Everything may not make sense to you, but God is good. You may be going through a devastation, but God is good. You may feel like you've been to hell and back, but God is good. You may find yourself in the valley, you're in the lowest part of your life, but God is good. Your life might be full of darkness, but God is good. I said God is a good God. He's a good God. He's a good God. Scripture says in James chapter 1 and verse number 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone because he's a good God. God doesn't tempt anyone to do evil. And here's what I really want you to grasp. The scripture says that God himself is not even tempted by evil. God doesn't see sin and have a desire to ever do it. He's not even tempted. He doesn't even have an inclination inside of him to ever do evil, to ever sin. God is holy. God is pure. There's not anything inside of God that would ever even desire to do evil. To sin. And because God is so pure and God's so holy, listen, God never tempts any person to sin. God did not tempt that young man at Virginia Tech to commit that horrific, those horrific crimes. God didn't do that. As I said earlier, there's an evil one. There's Satan who's roaming around seeking whom he may devour, who's here to steal, kill, and destroy. That's not our God. He will never tempt you to do evil. He can't be tempted with evil because God is a good God. Scripture goes on to say in James chapter 1 and verse number 17, but whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God. Let me ask you a question. Does anybody in this place have anything good in your life? 
Okay, the rest of you are lying. Hey, man, anybody got anything good in your life? To, come on, that has come from God. You're not smart enough. You're, you're, you're not intelligent enough. You don't have it together enough to, to figure all this out and get all these blessings. God is a good God in every, whatever is good and perfect has come from our heavenly Father. The reason you woke up today is because God is a good God. The Bible says the creator of all light and he shines forever without change or Shadow. God is a good God. The psalmist said in chapter 119 in verse number 668, You are good, and what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Friends, God is good. And whatever He does is good. The old cliche, we don't say it because it's just a cliche. It's true. It's biblical. God is good all of the time and all the time. It's true. No matter what happens in our world, no matter what you may see, no matter the tsunami you may see, no matter the hurricane you may see, no matter the, 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 the tornado you may see, no matter the murder you may see, friends, God is a good God. I know it without a shadow of a doubt. There's a fifth thing that I know without a shadow of a doubt. Number five is this, God is loving. He's a loving heavenly father. The scripture says in Psalms chapter 106 and verse number one, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. God's always been a God of love. His love endures forever. First John chapter 4 and verse 8 says, Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Did you catch that? God doesn't just do things out of love. God is love. His very nature is love. His very being, who He is, the very essence of who God is, is, is love. That's who He is. It's hard for us to get our small minds wrapped around that God is love. I guess the best way that I can try to explain it is every day when I wake up in the morning, my skin is brown. I don't have to try to work to get my skin brown. I mean, when I wake up in the morning, my skin's brown. I don't have to do anything to make it brown. Now, my wife, I love her with all my heart, but she's going to the tanning booth and the spray booth and laying out in the sun, and she got all kind of stuff. Some of y'all just want to look just like me, don't you? The Lord bless you anyhow. Amen. But I don't have to work to get my skin. It's just who I am. I don't get up in the morning and go, please make me brown today, God. No, that's just who I am. And friends, God, every day, He is love. He didn't have to work to love. That's just who He is. God doesn't look down at His creation and see evil and sin and says, look at those idiots. I better try to work to love them. No, God is love. That's just who He is. Scripture goes on to say, this is how God showed us, showed His love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that he might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Church, no matter what you encounter in life, no matter what devastation you may be experiencing even today, no matter how many things in life that don't make sense to you, you can count on this. God is love.
And friends, everything that God does is motivated out of love. God doesn't do anything out of hate. He doesn't do anything out of vindictive and mean spirit. God is love. And everything He does is motivated out of love. The scripture says in Matthew chapter number 7 that there were two types of people. We have that even today in our world. There was a person who didn't obey the word of God, didn't live the word of God. And the Bible says they were building their house on the sand. And then there was another individual. And the Bible says they were obeying the word of God. They were living for God. They weren't just playing church and going through the motions, but they were really living for God. And the Bible says in Matthew 7, they were building their house on the rock, on the firm foundation. And what's very interesting is the Bible says for both, the man who was building his house on the sand and the one who was building his house on the rock, both of them experienced the storm. The storms came. Scripture says the winds blow. Listen, we all go through storms. We all go through devastation. We all all experience heartache. And what happens is if your life is built around just chasing after money and trying to be popular and trying to get power and trying to keep up with this person in your neighborhood, if your life is built around all that when the storms come. You see, Pastor, why are you preaching this message? Because